Hello and welcome to the Effective Altruism Weekly. My name is Colin Snell. Here, each week, what we're going to do is give you a rundown on the major themes, ideas, and opportunities being discussed in the Effective Altruism community from that last week. And the way we're going to do this is by taking a look at, and most importantly, summarizing the top EA Forum articles from the previous week on the forum, and some of the comments and top recommendations uh, from commenters and other community folks. The summaries are written by Rethink Priorities researcher Zoe Williams, and then adapted by myself. As I said, my name is Colin Snell. I'm an EA and XRS researcher and communicator. I think, write, and speak about these ideas on my podcast, 21st Talks, where I interview different experts in a wide variety of topics uh, relating to and importantly focused on the greatest challenges to human flourishing this century and far beyond. Uh, I'm a moral psychologist, study philosophy, uh, and I am really, really interested in what motivates people to do good. But as I think most of us in the EA community know, in order to do the most good we can, we have to have the right ideas. And that's what this podcast is trying to do. It's trying to adapt the summary that Zoe has already been writing and had, has had a ton of success with into a different medium. Because I believe that when we translate ideas from text into spoken word, that you know allows access to a different experience of the ideas. And sometimes that leads to people who otherwise might not have been you know gotten really invested in a certain article, you know, getting invested in those ideas. So that's one of the things that is motivating me here. And I'm incredibly excited to bring this podcast to you. Thank you so much to Zoe. Thank you so much to Rethink Priorities. And once again, my name is Colin Snell, and welcome to the very first episode of Effective Altruism Weekly. The first post we had this week is an experiment eliciting relative estimates for Open Philanthropy's 2018 AI safety grants. This was by uh, Nuno Sempre. And what it was was a survey of six different researchers um, on nine large AI safety grants uh, funded by Open Philanthropy, um, each receiving more than $100,000 in funding for their work. Um, and the author elicited distributions of relative value grants using pairwise and hierarchical comparisons in Squiggle uh, before and after group discussion. So based on these discussions, the author denoted that the highest score was actually uh, given to Oxford University's research on the global politics of artificial intelligence. Uh, and notes after the discussion, there was um, there was more agreement generally uh, among the uh, different researchers uh, who were asked and uh, uses expert elicitation on this. Uh, and many of the researchers assigned nearly all impact to one case and almost no impact to several of the cases uh, looked at. The author estimates the survey took 20 to 40 hours in total. Uh, that includes uh, participant time, uh, which could be worth scaling up for future grant evaluations uh, just to increase accuracy, uh, the author notes. There are also methodology issues to resolve um, if there are to be similar uh, grant evaluations like this in the future. One example is uh, pairwise and hierarchical distribution estimates uh, from the same researchers uh, were often inconsistent. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, 90 CIs, 90% of CIs didn't overlap whatsoever. Uh, so there, there's some big questions still left there, of course. The next piece that we have uh, to summarize for you all today uh, is titled, Could it be a bad lock-in to replace factory farming with alternative protein? Uh, alternative proteins here, of course, being um, you know things ranging uh, from uh, plant-based proteins to uh, you know synthetic lab-grown proteins uh, to, to bugs, etc. Uh, and this is by Fay uh, or Fi or Fai, uh, and uh, it reads: If we replace factory farming with alternative proteins, we lose the chance to get rid of it for moral reasons. 
and this might stunt our moral development in regards to animals long term and may stunt our ability to adapt and change in future responses and situations uh, that require moral development, not just sort of institutional uh, or technological shifts. And the author changed their mind based on some of the comments, uh, which we always love to see. Uh, and finally, and you know, ended up concluding uh, that we should speed up alternative protein development and switch to moral advocacy once a majority of people uh, are vegans uh, and have less cognitive dissonance uh, about the whole situation. Next, we have a piece by uh, actually three authors, uh, Hamish Hobbs, JBS, and Alan Defoe. And the piece is titled Differential Technology Development Preprint on the Concept. So with this preprint, the authors were looking at uh, describing differential technology development and possible implementation, implementations from an effective altruism standpoint. Um, and the authors were looking for and still are looking for feedback on this. So the concept that they're looking at in this piece specifically uh, can look like preferentially advancing risk-reducing tech over risk-increasing technology. Uh, risk-reducing uh, can include things uh, like safety, defensive, uh, capabilities and substitution. Uh, when it comes to the safety uh, category of that, that includes, for example, separate security um, and things that make other technology directly safer. The defensive category here uh, can include things like vaccines, uh, you know, different mitigation uh, strategies and technologies, and the substitution strategies, uh, similar to the last article we covered, uh, can be things that are like our alternative proteins, uh, but the authors use the example of wind power, which offer similar benefits um, as risk-increasing technology, um, but actually lead to an overall safer world and safer environment. Another post that got a lot of attention uh, that was also in the feedback category is called Requesting Feedback, Proposal for a New Nonprofit with Potential to Become Highly Effective by EA Form user Marshall. So what Marshall was suggesting in this piece uh, was uh, online health worker training system um, as an effective route to global health intervention. Uh, and the estimate here is uh, about $59 per DALY averted by training workers in newborn care, especially based on existing research that's, that's already out there. The author argues that proper training can also increase the chance of positive critical decisions. Uh, a good example here is choosing quarantine a patient that might effectively prevent an outbreak of an infectious disease um, that you know existing training uh, might not have prepared the medical professional to, to catch or make the decision of. And the author already ran a pilot um, and has been running one since uh, April 2021. And in a follow-up pilot, uh, the author found that completion rates reached 10 times higher than those of free, optional, self-paced courses taken in LMICs. They are looking for $4 million of funding for three years to scale up, expand their operations, and would like feedback to improve their proposal before applying formally. In a similar vein as the last one, uh, the next, next post we are looking at is called Announcing the Space Futures Initiative. It is by Carson Ezel, Madeline Chang, and a writer by the name of Olaf Wilner. And it is a newly launched, focused on improving the long-term future in outer space for humanity and humanity's descendants. This post, uh, it was expecting to share a lot of long-termist ideas um, and is aiming to do so within the space community as well. 
um, while also developing scalable space governance frameworks uh, due to, you know, the case here is is really neglected in this case. Uh, the, they argue that this is not existing within the space community as is um, and are really, really hoping to actually introduce these long-termist ideas. Uh, and they're looking for uh, research proposals, collaborators, mentors for student projects, and effective altruism group leaders interested in hosting discussion groups on this topic. And uh, they are also asking for folks to reach out to them. So if you're interested, you can check the link to any of the articles we're covering down below. And next, we have a post by Benjamin Hilton in 80,000 Hours called What Could an AI-Caused Existential Catastrophe Actually Look Like? Now, this co post covers different paths to power that different AI systems could take, and those paths of power are social, political, financial, uh, or uh, otherwise, uh, probably an abstract intelligence um, would be able to find systems of power that uh, are hard for us to even conceptualize, frankly. Um, and the, these different paths to power uh, can look like systems uh, being hacked, persuading humans, manipulating discourses, developing new technologies, making threats, uh, etc. And it notes that AI could come to power seeking uh, in various different ways. It could be incentivized to be power seeking. For example, if you build a system uh, that is that has uh, proxy goals. Things which are slightly different than what we care about, but are easier to describe or measure to an AI system. Uh, obviously, you can see why this might be easier for an AI system uh, developer. Uh, we could ask an AI to reduce law enforcement, for example, law enforcement complaints, uh, and it might tackle it via suppressing complaints instead of improving practices. Another pathway is self-improvement. This would come about with an AI uh, that is deployed with the capability to improve itself and access uh, the information to do so, which could just be uh, you know, accessed via the internet, basically. And it may decide its goals are easier to achieve without humans, build capacity, uh, and kill us all, which uh, probably from uh, you know, a super intelligent system wouldn't exactly be the most challenging thing to do. The next post is by Sophia Brown uh, and is called Improving, quote, Improving Institutional Decision-Making. A brief history of IIDM. The history of IIDM pre 2019 uh, denotes that the global health area was advancing or advocating uh, improving government aid spending via lobbying and other tactics, and many critiqued EA's seeming focus on marginal versus systemic change. Uh, leaders responded to this, uh, i.e., open philanthropy now funds areas like immigration reform and housing. And the rationality community was developing tools for individual decision making, um, evidence for effectiveness of forecasting and group use push forward the institutional angle uh, as well. In 2015, the cause area formed um, out of a third thread. That cause area, of course, being IIDM. Uh, and the current state of IIDM uh, from the 2019 to present is the Effective Institutions Project, or EIP, uh, which has built a broader theory of IIDM, including a focus on value alignment within powerful institutions. It published a prioritized list of target institutions uh, to tackle first, and other orgs have now been created, uh, including prediction markets and platforms mainly targeted uh, at internal EA decision-making uh, and group uh, expert elicitation. Work to have institutions adopt better decision-making is limited and mainly political at this point. Uh, examples of this are the Center for uh, Election Science, um, and that got approval voting adopted in several cities, and there is ongoing work on U.S. policy, um, the example from before, of course, being immigration reform, uh, but also pandemic preparedness, uh, as well as uh, key institutions such as the e uh, UN are also now being looked at uh, for this area of IIDM work. 
So funders are also concerned right now about downside risks and whether the area is actually impactful or, or particularly useful. Uh, several welcome um, applications for specific subsets of IIDM, um, especially forecasting within this area. And Bendod has actually uh, tuned in and has estimated that there are actually less than 100 EAs working on this area in 2020. Uh, and therefore, the number of applications that are welcome in this area uh, are certainly much higher than we currently are actually seeing. The author notes uh, that uh, she intends to publish a series of posts exploring underappreciated ways of improving institutions, um, how to structure IIDM work. Um, you know, this could be should it be cause specific or more broad. And measuring success and downside risks are also two areas she is really, really interested in continuing to work on. So the next piece is called Rudman's Thoughts on Biological Anchors, and this is by Luke Prague. And it's a link post for David Ruman's uh, April 2020 review of uh, Jaya's forecasting TAI with biological anchors report, uh, which I know many of you have read. The main critique is that uh, Jaya's report considers several frameworks, which are which are contradictory in some cases. Each has its own probability distribution for TAI timelines, and they are combined via pointwise uh, averaging. David argues it may be better to use uh, Bayesian reasoning to help land on a single, quote, most plausible framework, which could contain elements of multiple different frameworks that are currently existing. He explores one possibility, and this one uh, contains both parameters and hyperparameters for the model training process. All right, and now we are on to the opportunities section. So uh, EAG uh, X Virtual, uh, which is going to be on the 21st and 23rd of October by this year, um, is open. Uh, the applications are open, and uh, we really want more folks in the EA community to apply. Uh, and this post was announced, or this announcement post was made by Alex uh, Berenz Hoy. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to uh, hopefully see some of y'all um, at EAG X Virtual, because I certainly will there be there myself. Another project was announced by Josh One, uh, and that is the announcement of the Empirical AI Safety Program. So there is going to be a new introduction to ML Safety Program uh, hosted by the Center for AI Safety, which will be running from September 26th through November 8th. These are going to be virtual courses introducing those with existing deep learning backgrounds to empirical AI safety research and methodologies. It will be about five hours per week. Advanced and introductory streams will be available. Uh, and also a $1,000 stipend will be available for the learning and time spent. Uh, participants apply by September 21st, and facilitators will have to apply by September 18th. Um, background in deep learning and AI safety are required, and that will come out to about two hours per week, or roughly pay is about $30 an hour. Now, Brad West, uh, a lawyer, has uh, written a piece called Bring Legal Cases to Me. I will donate 100% of my cut of the fee to a charity of your choice. Uh, so he's a lawyer participating in practicing near Chicago in the U.S., uh, and he can help on a range of cases from personal injury to workers' comp to bankruptcy, divorce cases, commercial disputes, etc. And he'll donate uh, his cut of his firm's fee, uh, which is about uh, one-ninth to one-third of the total cost, to a charity of your choice, uh, ideally a high impact charity that is. And he suggests other ETG professionals could also use the fact they will donate their fee to generate more business from EAs and, th and therefore donations uh, as a whole. If you do, let the author know and he'll list you uh, on the Consumer Power Initiative website. Another opportunity is called EA Architect Building an EA Hub in the Great Lakes Region, Ohio uh, by Teresa Fildrova. 
Um, and uh, what uh, Teresa is noting here is that uh, a good place for an EA hub, uh, just because of the low cost of living, the medium home price is around 200 k uh, a lake and lots of parks, welcoming community vibes, one hour to an airport, walkable town center with good amenities, etc., etc. It looks like the Great Lakes region of Ohio would be a great place for an EA hub to uh, naturally emerge. The author proposes create an EA hub initially centered around residents, Andy and Christine, uh, Christine's areas of expertise, which are nuclear and bio threats, conferences, retreats, fellowships, uh, tenancies, and co-working spaces uh, are to come. And they're looking to talk with those uh, interested in living in or interested in Ohio more broadly and anyone running an existing EA hub or fellowship program. And finally, uh, CEA Ops is now uh, EV Ops. Uh, it's just a quick renaming. Um, CEA Ops started supporting other organizations over time, now supporting over 10 of them. Because of this, they split into uh, their organization into a new organization called EV Ops. They're close to capacity, but fill in the EOI form if you'd like support for your organization. Uh, one to two person startups through uh, to larger organizations. Uh, and uh, you can also apply if you want help to expand capacity by applying, uh, excuse me, you can help to expand their capacity by applying to join their team. A couple additional uh, high quality uh, articles that we recommend. Uh, one is from Evie Cottrell, which called Agency Needs Nuance. And what this means uh, is that uh, Evie argues here that agency means acting intentionally to fulfill your goals. However, the word can be associated with ambition, hustling, liberally asking for things, and willingness to violate norms, be uncooperative with authority, or use many resources to achieve your aims. These behaviors are useful in moderation, but can go too far if the community confers status and praise for them, and that's because they're uh, agentic. Instead of using these behaviors for their own sake, decide for yourself what will help you achieve your goals and what is overall the best. And Evie recommends to do that. Hence, agency needs nuance. Last but not least is a post by James Odin, um, and it is called It's Not Effective, Call Everything Effective, and How Not to Name a New Organization. So uh, James here uh, argues that a good organization name should include a couple things. First is uh, it should value distinctiveness over descriptiveness. It should avoid acronyms um, because they're not distinctive uh, and can drop your SEO ranking on online searches. Uh, and uh, secondary naming considerations are use the right tone for your audience in the name. Long names will be abbreviated and consider prestige and credibility in the name itself and in the naming scheme. Well, that's quite a fitting last article to cover this week uh, from everyone at Effective uh, Altruism Form Weekly or whatever we end up calling this. Uh, thank you guys so, so much. My name is once again, Coleman Snell. Uh, remember to like, rate, and subscribe on this and share it with some of your Effective Altruism friends. Uh, and also thank you guys for subscri subscribing to the Substack. Uh, the folks at the Rethink Priorities uh, Institute are, are really, really glad about how successful this summary project has been. And uh, I'm incredibly excited to be now part of the team uh, and to be able to help with that uh, distribution of these ideas and distillation of these ideas a little bit. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys very much. And all of the links to the articles will be in the doobly-doo down below. Once again, my name is Colin Snell. Be kind to yourselves, be kind to your friends, and carry on doing the most good you possibly can. Thank you guys all so much. See you guys next week.